Welcome to episode six, not influenced to go to school or not go to school. What are we doing with the kids? I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it screams from the haters. Got a nice ring. We have actually a really special podcast. I've decided to kick off my normal co-host, Eric, and bring in two of my bestest friends, Carly Brackman and Sasha Lenker. What's up, guys? Hi, guys. Hey, Les. As I was looking around, I realized how important community actually is, especially during this time. And as I looked around and examined even further, the community and my community specifically, when it comes to anything child related has been you guys for basically since the moment um, my children were conceived. So I thought it was really important to bring you guys on to have this conversation in an effort that by us having this conversation openly and candidly, you know, perhaps we can connect with other moms and other parents kind of going through these hard decisions and hard conversations. So 2020 Corona, let's start off with a little bit of background. Um, Carly, I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe you can give some background as to our, you know, how we met in our relationship. So I'm Carly Brackman. I'm 33 years old and I have two children. Um, my daughter is five and my son is three. And I actually met you, Alyssa, um, when we were pregnant. We had some mutual friends and we're both from Florida. And our girls were, we were basically due like a week apart. So we ended up becoming extremely good friends <laughs> during our pregnancy. And we Ate a lot of food together and got really fast together. <laughs> we went pound for pound. Pound, pound for pound. <laughs> we had the best time ever. It was like the most memorable, fun time of my whole life when I was. For pregnant. the record, I, I gained uh, sixty-two pounds with my first daughter, so I was two of two when I gave birth. But go ahead. And Carly was still my friend. That's a good friend, okay? That's a good friend. <laughs> Anyways, it was it was the best time ever, and then. Our girls were born like a week apart, which was really special. And I really am grateful for you because it is hard being a new mother, you know, at all of those different, you know, questions you have and new milestones and you just need some support. And I was in Manhattan with my family and my whole immediate family was in Florida. So as much as I, you know, I could call them or text them about questions, it was really nice to have, you know, a home away from home, a family away from my family nearby, which I can, you know, bounce information off and questions and um, it was really important. And then through Alyssa and Sasha, when our girls were, I want to say three months old, and we just became a really tight knit unit and we were all there to help support each other. And, and um, for the record, our text, our group chat is still called the Wolfpack. Channel <laughs> <laughs> three. And, um, and, uh, you know, we all, what makes us an interesting dynamic is that we all have very, very different parenting styles and very different views on certain things. And as much as sometimes it creates a little conflict in us, we just have this like family bond where no matter what, we know we're different and we can go at it and we can, you know, we can say our opinions because we're all very opinionated. But at the end of the day, then we're having so, Well, we're going to get into that. And that, that's precisely why I brought you guys on because I think- 
it's fascinating how different yet how similar we all are. So I'm going to cut you off there and let's Wait, at the end of the day, we're all okay. having Rosh Hashanah and Passover together. So, you know, we all For those of you agree who don't to celebrate disagree. those are the Jewish holidays. <laughs> um, so, going into that Sasha, kick it off. Sasha and I actually go way back. We actually went to law school together and we both thought that we were cool and hot, but for some reason never cross paths to become friends until much later. So, Miss Lenter. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sasha Lenter. I have three children, a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and a 10-month-old son. So it you is really like your husband. A literal zoo. What'd you say? You really love your husband. <laughs> I do. He's also my <laughs> oldest child, if we're going to be completely honest here. <laughs> my most high-maintenance child. Um, yeah, like Carly said, we all know each other through Alyssa, um, but I originally met Alyssa in law school. We had mutual friends, and we saw each other. We lived one block away from each other in Murray Hill, where all of us 20-somethings lived at that time. Um, but yeah, we weren't close until social media let us know that we were both pregnant with daughters and due around the same time. So we blossomed a friendship that way. Alyssa came over to meet Aria, my oldest child, when she was a minute old and Alyssa was 300 months pregnant. And <laughs> Oh, it might have been the first baby pregnant. you ever even held. You were afraid to hold her. <laughs> you were afraid to I hold said, her. Sasha literally texted me. She's like, hey, you want to know what it's like to have a kid come over? And I was like, sure. <laughs> crash course. Real, real quick crash course. But yeah, we're all very, very close. We're different in a lot of ways. Sometimes I feel like the black sheep a little bit because I definitely feel the most different of the three of us as a mom and just as a human being in general. <laughs> but um, we're family, like Carly said, Alyssa said, we're family. We celebrate our holidays together. We talk about the most inappropriate stuff with each other. We don't, we're different, but we don't judge each other. And that's what makes this bond so special and what makes me know that it's never gonna go away ever. So I'm a little nervous for this conversation because I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have different opinions than everybody else well, on this you podcast. But we shall see. You know what? That's, and that's, again, exactly why I wanted to have this and, and be able to, to be a sounding board for other groups of moms who might be having conflict even within their friendships or even within their family. Because I feel that right now, you know, there's a lot of judgment being passed in general. And it's a time where anything you say or do is just exacerbated and, and really dissected. And the topic of what to do with your children's education and health. I mean, those two topics couldn't be any more of a trigger topic for any mom, you know, maybe, you know, compared to when I used to pop off about you guys not giving your kids organic Cheerios, you know, but like, mm -hmm. this is more serious. Mm -hmm. And if we thought about that, imagine, imagine the conflicts um, internally and externally right now. So I, I wanted to give some background because the truth of the matter is this is my community. This is my wolf pack. And there hasn't been a single parental decision that I've made without them. And oh, mom, we love been, you. Love yeah, you. and that's why this was so special and uh, so important. So before we get into you know the meat and potatoes, as they say, I want to kind of go over our parenting styles and give some background because I think that's what's the most fascinating. And I'm going to speak for myself to kick it off. Um, 
I definitely am a very stern and uh, disciplinarian parent. I believe, you know, that kids can be kids, but they also, you know, they should behave well and and they should be respectful. But at the same time, I'm also pretty chill and laid back, I think. I think that I really, uh, I obviously have, or if you know me, I have help with my kids. And I think that's inherently made me be a little bit more hands off in certain ways because I can't control everything that happens because I'm not around all the time. Um, but I also, I also am a really concerned parent and um, I come from a mom who is overly concerned and even maybe let's call it controlling. So I think that I kind of have both ends of the spectrum. My husband is definitely come, comes from a, a lot more of a the kids will be all right. Like everything will be fine, you know, live and learn. And I'm a little bit more, well, are they going to be? Um, and, and I kind of think I'm in the middle between you guys. So who wants to go first to describe their parenting? I will. Okay. So I'm definitely authoritative. I am, I'm authoritative. I'm flexible, but I'm pretty firm with my kids. Um, but I would say that I'm more on the easygoing side. Um, I definitely let my kids explore and they play well on their own. And, you know, they kind of are very independent. Both of my children are very independent. And, you know, maybe some of that is just who they are as people. And, and maybe it's because of the way that I parent. And I just kind of am like, you spread your wings and you be a butterfly and, and explore and do as you want. And I will be there to guide you. Um, but that's how I would explain it. I keep my kids safe. I make sure that, you know, they have great manners and that they, you know, are kind to others and that they do the important things that I want to instill in my children and that um, I keep the value, the core values there. But I definitely let my children be who they want to be. and. Um, let them have a lot of independence so and and as of when we were first time moms because i think this is relevant what was your biggest fear like what was your biggest like you know like you know mine was like obviously the sids i was like fucking paranoid about everything that had to do with kids breeding what was yours i mean i you know health was really really health things health it was it was pretty much all related to health, having my children be healthy in all different ways. Um, really just mentally, physically, in all capacity, I wanted my children to be as healthy as possible if they could be. And, you know, life deals you a deck of cards and it is what it is. But, um, I was just hoping that my children would be healthy and happy and that's all. Cool. Sasha. I guess I'm kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I, the most important thing to me in the whole wide world, and you guys can attest to this, is that I make sure my children know that they are loved. I tell them I love them and how special they are and how beautiful and smart they are ad nauseum. So I definitely am a very complimentary, very loving, overbearing parent in that way. Um, But at the same time, I do have a lot of rules and I'm not afraid to punish my kids. But one thing that may be different about me, I don't know if you guys do this or if people out there listening do this, but I 
find it's very important that when I set a rule or when I reprimand my children that we we have a conversation about it, that they understand. So I don't just set a rule and say, you know, this is what it is because mommy says so. I feel it's very important to explain to my children why we have this rule or why they're receiving this punishment and really talk it through. Um, because it wasn't that way in my house. It was just very strict. This is the way it is. Um, so I wanted to go about things a little bit differently in my house. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I have a harder time than Carly does letting my children be independent. So that's something that I have to consciously work on. I'm aware of that um, because I am a fraidy cat, um, a little bit of a helicopter okay. mom sometimes, <laughs> a little bit of a helicopter mom sometimes. But yeah, I mean, for me, I, as a mom, I try to instill confidence um, in all my children let them know that home is their safe space, not just physically safe, but their emotionally safe space. So they can lose it, they can cry, they can whine, they can go crazy at home because this is their safe space. Um, but to always make sure that we talk about it afterwards, that we understand why, why they felt a certain way, try to help them work through it in a better way for next time. Um, and yeah, like I said before, like make sure they understand why they have to follow certain rules, why certain behaviors are expected of them. Um, because I, it's my belief, and I don't know, we'll see, stay tuned, I guess, that it will help them as they get older, understand and respect authority in a different way, because they're going to understand the meaning behind certain rules and why they might be penalized for certain behaviors and why they might have consequences to certain decisions that they make. So that's really fascinating because both of you guys touched on two of the things that I think is really driving home this point of sending your kids to school or not. And one is health, right? And the other one is rules and environment. And are they going to feel safe and loved in this new foreign environment, right? So I'm just going to go right into it. And, and, and I'm going to bring up what I feel like is most scary. And before I do that, it, it made me realize that I think, or at least for me, what feels quote unquote scary, and I say that in quotes because I wholeheartedly believe that we don't know what we're afraid of anymore. I, or at least I don't. I don't know if I'm afraid of a virus, if I'm afraid of public opinion, if I'm afraid of my kid actually getting sick, or if I'm afraid of just completely fucking up as a parent in general right now. And, and I think that again, for the first time in history, we are fully, and when I say we as a family unit, whether that's a mom or a dad or dads or moms or grandmother, whoever is the primary care or head of that household, for the first time, every decision like around your kid is going to fall on you. And whatever outcome your kid has, it's actually your responsibility because if they're home and they're virtually schooling, and I think this is what parents are really getting scared of is, wow, whatever happens to these kids, that's all going to fall on me. And it's actually my responsibility now to educate them and to teach them and to nurture them and to love them. And I think that, as they say, it takes a village and it does. You need community and you need your teachers and your nannies and your families and your friends. And we've all been separated and we can't come together. And I think that makes it also really scary. So Let's talk about this fear and I guess where it started and where we are now before we get into what decisions we've decided to make and like, let's go back to March. And I mean, I know myself when I was packing up my kids to leave out East and not knowing what the hell was going, it was just complete, complete panic mode. I mean, how were you guys feeling in March 
and kind of talk me through that evolution of where you are now and what do you think your fears actually are? Carl's do you okay, want to go I'll, first? I'll go first. Okay. So I moved around a lot as a kid, not like moved around. Like I wasn't like a military wife child but moved around a lot like my you know we were lived in Chicago and then we rented a home in Florida my dad took a big risk coming here um and you know starting a new career and um just I, I moved from different cities and different schools and within and I think that in a way that that was a very positive thing for me because it it helped me um learn how to adapt and I think that that's why I am easily okay in different situations and I'm okay with change. I, I think a lot of it had to do with my environment and my circumstances. I don't think that, you know, I think you are who you are, but I think a lot of that did me in a positive way, in my opinion. Right. Um, but I really, I'm not afraid of anything. I feel like this is our reality. It is what it so, is. Was there any anxiety? What created anxiety around this situation? There had to have been something that created a little bug in the stomach or are you really that chill? And if you are, then please. I, I don't have anxiety at all. My only concern. Okay. Was that my children would socially and academically fall behind. And I'm okay. not talking about falling behind from the next guy because everybody's in the same situation. Mine was more like, socially is this going to be a problem that my kid is sitting home with me all day long and yeah i'm going on the swing set and yeah i'm going and you know keeping were them you worried were, sorry to interrupt you were you worried for both of them equally or is there an age because you said you have a a three-year-old and a five-year-old so was mostly, it is there... mostly my daughter my son okay. is three so you're five -year -old. Um, and when this started it, he was two and a half and he was you know kids are resilient and he's young and it was really my daughter because even though she's, you know, loves everyone, includes everyone, she's, you know, a happy little girl, you know, this is the time that more than ever, you're socializing in your school is how you learn. You learn how to share, you learn how to, you know, uh, resolve conflict, all of these things. So obviously academic was a major issue. That was a concern for me because I've never been a teacher before. So here I am, you know, I, I know my alphabet and I know, you know, the, the basics of addition and, but I really. Thank you, Florida education for the big, <laughs> for teaching the alphabet. But I mean, I, for the first time was sitting there and basically proctoring yeah. Zoom. I was yeah. proctoring Zoom and my children, you know, were young and they didn't really want to listen, especially my son who wanted no, no part of it. I was basically zooming along and, and there were some children that were really engaged. My son, however, was not. So there I am, you know, 33 years old, was sitting there with, you know, two-year-olds and my son wanted nothing to do with it. So I had a challenge in that way and I was concerned in that way. Is he going to just not be able to focus in school? Is he not going to be, a, you know, does his, his attention span not there? What is so going on? Was, was a social... Like what could happen socially long-term to my children? And academically, I'm, I'm not a teacher and I really give a lot of praise for those teachers. They are wonderful people, have, patient, you know. Have any and, of your fears changed or are they the same? Have they stayed consistent throughout this? I think that my fears have become 
less and, and my concerns have become okay. less because I was locked up in my house for a lot of months. I didn't really leave very much. And as so, time went on, I started to leave more. And I think right. as I left more, even if I was, you know, in a small social circle or I did see my mom and my sister and, you know, I did see somebody, uh, you know, out whatever at Target or whatever. Like, yeah. I feel like that helped me realize that like, we're all gonna be okay. It's all okay. gonna be okay. We're all in the same boat. Um, and I don't have any control over this. So if I'm gonna try to control the situation, I'm just gonna- You learn to out. accept your situation, which by the way, is, is really difficult to do. I mean- Very I difficult. Because finding the comfort and the discomfort is I think what we all strive for and it's probably the hardest thing. So I definitely commend you for that. Sasha, mm -hmm. I wanna hear from Sasha because <laughs> this roller coaster of emotion is coming. It's definitely more like very exciting. So I wanna know, March, June, mm -hmm. August, every okay. two months. What has this been for you? Okay, so, you know, the three of us talk a lot about, um, you know, nature versus nurture and, and how shaped we are by our life experiences. Carly, you just touched on the fact that you moved exactly. around a lot. So moving mid-pandemic and having to deal with this school, then that house, then this, you know. Whatever anyone decides to do. For you. Okay, so not to, you know, open up my, you know, extra overweight baggage from, you know, my life experience. Get that but, Samsonite girl. <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely believe that my life experiences have completely shaped who I am. And because of that, in March, I was fine. When everybody was freaking out that they were going to have to be at home with their kids and not go to school, <laughs> it was like, take care of everyone, everyone's losing their mind. I'm like, what's everyone so stressed about? We're all, at least, at least I'm blessed enough to be in a circle of people who have homes and can afford food and personal shoppers and toys and a backyard and a playroom and whatever so to me and i'm and i don't mean this in a judgmental way i mean it in genuinely like this is just how from my perspective i was like this is this is going to be challenging don't get me wrong i had a baby who was still not sleeping through the night and two little kids you know my daughter turned five mid-pandemic and my son turned three mid-pandemic so just a house full of babies and dogs and the whole enchilada but I feel like my life experience has prepared me for the challenges. Um, flash forward a couple of months when I started seeing changes in my children was when I started to really get impacted because well, again, so my daughter, Aria is five years old and is an abnormally smart. She's just a bright, she bright child. She is advanced. She is her kid. Ridiculous. I'll just give you guys a background quick. Her kid was the kind of kid that when like we would hang out, Eric would think something was wrong with Gabby. Like, oh. <laughs> like why isn't Gabby doing that? Like, she's fine, she's younger. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean it in an obnoxious way because the same way that I can praise, I can't. No, it's okay. I'll be not I'm laughing out loud because. No, but the same way that I can praise her strengths, I can also acknowledge her weaknesses, just like I can, you know, praise my own strengths and acknowledge my own weaknesses. So while she's this really bright, bright child, she has always had attachment issues, for sure. She has always had a harder time walking into her classroom every day. 
it was whining and crying and mommy don't leave me. Um, and so finally, just before the pandemic hit, she was walking into the classroom without me, wanting to run ahead without me, wanting to go in a carpool in someone else's car. She had finally, it seemed like crossed over that hump and really started emotionally becoming a big girl to match her brain, you know, her brains, right. her mental, her capacity. emotion and her, yeah. Yes. It was finally, you know, meeting each other. And I started seeing her just completely regress. If I went to pee, it was, where's mommy? Where's mommy? Where's mommy? Go, mommy, 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 where are you? Just in a complete panic that I went to pee or in a complete panic that. So what did that, what did that do to you? Like, where did that transform your this is going to be fine to what did that make you feel like then it just broke my heart in it and it definitely told me that okay like if this is going to last a long time which is another thing i think is important to note is that i think that maybe another thing that kept me somewhat chill in the beginning and don't get me wrong i was afraid of the virus i was afraid of the physical aspect but i was emotionally chill and not afraid of being right quarantine is I think because I was from the very beginning, my mindset was, okay, school's not opening again. Camp's not opening again. We'll be lucky if school opens next year. So I'm the kind of person that when I, when I can accept what's going to happen, I can plan for it. I can emotionally prepare for it and I can take it on. So it didn't scare me in the same way because I was, some might call me pessimistic. I call myself, you know, a realist. About- no, I actually think you and Carly were on the same page in that time where you guys Definitely. were like, this is Definitely. fucked. And I'm like, I was like, no, two weeks, everything will be fine. <laughs> like, we're fine. We're fine. Like, everything's be fine. I think like that was when we, we all really started like seeing like, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. yeah, so seeing emotions. Yeah. And then I saw emotional changes in my son, Zachary, as well. It's my middle child, my three-year-old. He was always my chillest, most laid back, ran off to school on the first day of the twos last year. Like, see a mom, go away, leave me alone. Like, did not care. (laughs) Total second child, total chill, opposite of his sister. Um, The mailman could put him to sleep at night. He wouldn't care. Like, as long as someone read him a book and handed him a pacifier, like, did not care if he had never met the person in his entire life. And all of a sudden... Zachary could only have mommy put him to sleep. I had to lay on his floor till he fell asleep. He was waking up in the middle of the night having bad dreams. And again, we were at home doing, you know, mommy camp and playing. It's not like we were sitting around talking about the virus and, you know, talking about the fears and the dangers. They were happy. They were happy during the day. It was just all of a sudden the thought of mommy not being around them every second you know, started to really terrify them. And that's when I started to get scared. Um, so yeah, and then- Scared of what? Scared of just like the long-term effects socially again. Yeah, the long-term emotional effects on my children because, you know, I'm one of those people where of course I am concerned about physical health. I, you know, what parent is not concerned about right. physical health? But I am someone who, you know, whereas more parents are gonna, you know, scan their kid's skin for a tick or for that freckle that you know looks like maybe it got a shade lighter and they have more fears about right. physical ailments. I am someone who is a lot more conscious and obsessive, you know, if I'm gonna be honest, about emotional and mental health issues. Sure. So when I started to see my children 
struggle emotionally was when I really woke up and I was like, okay, we're kind of fucked now. Because no. even in this like, you know, Mary Poppins house over here, my <laughs> kids are still struggling. You know what I mean? Sasha's like doing morning circle. I was like, morning circle. Like, I'm glad that I had a third cup of coffee. <laughs> I was like, I'm not joining morning circle. I can and barely And scavenger hunts and baking and it didn't so, fucking matter. It didn't matter. It didn't so you matter. know what's really interesting is that, okay, so now let's really get to the school debate because this whole school debate on behalf of the teachers, right? And I'm not going to say how I wholeheartedly feel on either side because I don't think that this is the place. I think this is a safe zone. So I'm just going to say that it seems after what I've heard and read and I've been really, really doing research, especially leading up to this night, is that there's a fear that we can all get sicker or that the kids can make you sick, or that this is gonna exacerbate the virus. And that's all physical fear, but the three of us will agree that we actually are more worried about the social and emotional effects of our children, because, you know, there's this idea that, oh, you know, we can re recover from a virus, but what can we recover the long-term effects of what we're doing to our kids if, you know, and this is not even thinking about homeschooling versus virtual schooling. This is literally in the midst of we're on quarantine, what's going to happen? So now that we have this, this option, right? This option of what to do. Now I think the reason why it's bringing up so much controversy is that it's touching points again on both years. Now we are going to maybe send our kids to school and now they can get sick. Right. Cause it's like, it's, it's, a, it's very easy to say we're not worried about the physical risk when we're locked Correct. up in a damn house. But exactly, you know, you know I, I feel like anyone who says they're not at least a little bit scared of their children or their families getting sick with their children going back to school, I think are probably fibbing a little bit here because right. it, you might not be, you know, thinking the world is going to end and your whole family is going to die of this virus. But to, to not acknowledge that there's some level of fear there, I think is silly. I think that it's important. Yeah. And to there has been a lot of families scared. who have died of this virus. And I think it's it's really sad and, and uh, we're, we're not even gonna go there, but okay, so to homeschool or to not homeschool, to send your kids or not to send your kids. Sasha, I wanna start with you because you definitely took the position very early on that you were not gonna send your kids to school. And that was the plan for a long time. Uh, quickly talk through that, what your rationale was, what your plan was and where you are now. Okay, so. From my perspective, um, I, and I still don't understand how a public school setting or even a private preschool setting where your children are going to be in class with children whose families you don't know, whose comfort levels you don't know, teachers you don't personally know, what everyone's doing outside of school you don't know, how um, we're supposed to expect, be expected to feel physically safe and secure, that our children are gonna be safe because I don't know about what you guys are doing on a daily basis, but we still don't go into peace somewhere inside, even in a close friend's house without a mask on. So how I'm supposed to send my kids into a tiny little preschool room or a little kindergarten room with a bunch of children whose families I don't know and teachers whose families I don't know and just feel totally chill about it. Like, I don't, 
I don't get, I don't understand that. I still don't understand that. And I never understood that. However, you know, like we discussed, you know, our children's social emotional development, especially, you know, we're all in a unique situation that we all have small children. I definitely think that for mothers who have older children, it's going to be a different conversation because yeah, I wouldn't want to have a third to be jailed and they have different needs. But, um, you know, our children are just learning how to become humans. They're learning how to become friends. They're learning how to interact with other people and not, you know, grab their shit or throw something at them because they don't want to sit next to them at lunch. So to be completely removed from social interaction is also not something that I was okay with. So I didn't want to homeschool by myself in my house because, you know, I could barely get my circle time and my one hour of real learning with my oldest child done without the dog barking and the baby crying and, right. you know, food thrown across my house. My ideal scenario was and still would be a pod situation, which, you know, for okay. everyone who know what a pod is, it's where you I'm get so together. happy you mentioned that, but keep going. It's where you what get together. What? Yeah. What is a pod? Okay. So a pod is where you get together with a group of families. It could be three, four or five different families and you make a commitment to each other. This is who we're going to see. This is who we're going to socialize with. And you hire a teacher or now that all schools being offered virtually, you can hire a proctor to simply watch, you know, supervise your children doing school. And from my perspective, why I loved the pod idea, so many reasons, but number one, um, you're guaranteed school, okay. socialization and structure for the entire year, because I think we need to call a spade a spade here and say, even if school opens in September, who knows how long it's going to be open if it's going to start, stop, start, stop, this district's going to close, this district's going to So it gave you, close. in your mind, the pod gives you comfort of, comfort and stability and safety kind of checks every box for you. Everything. The pod and, is ideal. And, right. And you, you also, because these are people that you trust and presumably like, the parents, we all get socialization, guaranteed socialization. Correct. Which is also Which important. Children, no they can be that. inside each other's homes. They don't have to wear masks all day. They can celebrate a snow day together inside each other's homes. You know what I mean? It's not we're walking into a building masked up and then we leave and then we're isolated again. And then if school closes, we're isolated again. It, you know, it at least provided an opportunity to have at least a group of people to feel safe with and to still have structure, socialization, academics. Right. So to me, okay. it was the So goal. in your perfect world is a pot. Before you talk about what you decided to do, I want to ask Carly what her initial thoughts were before we evolve into what we finally decided to do. Because it seems that Sasha, again, was the most concerned about the physical part of how it's even possible to send their kids to school. And I actually think that that's the argument on behalf of the teachers union and and a lot of parents of like, well, how are we going to do this? So Carl, what were you thinking like this whole time? Because I know that you even considered summer camp at one point, right? Yes. Okay. So talk to me. What was your thoughts? So even initially, like what were I you knew, I mean, my husband's in the industry where he researches this all day long and he researches history and what happened, you know, and what's going to happen based on history and um, so I knew this wasn't going to go away. So when I was trying to be a pessimist or whatever, you know, not trying to be, but when I was saying negative things about what I, the facts, right. Some people were upset about it, but I was just stating 
the facts of what I what thought. What were the facts to you? What were your facts? Because that this isn't going away anytime soon. Right. And that this is serious and we're in a pandemic and we, you better hunker down because we could be going, could be a year, two years, three years. We don't know. And I argued with you, by the way, a lot. I was like, Shut a lot of people argue with You're me. so negative. Okay. Like, you know what? Everyone is entitled <laughs> to their own opinion. However, I was like, this is my reality. So I can this either deal reality. with my reality or I can live in La La Land. Mm-hmm. One of the two choices. And so I realized this is what it is. And so I have to make the best of the situation. So what I did was I stayed in my house. I didn't really see anyone. I didn't even see my parents for a long time. Um, It was just the four of us, my family. And I eased up as time went on. You know, then I started to see my parents. And then a while, a few months after I saw my sister. And then, you know, and so I started to let my social circle get a little always using precaution but but opening up your social circle to feel more normal let's say right it took time right you know three months later i saw my parent you know two months later i saw my parents then maybe a month and a half later i saw my sister you know and i just over time i i let a few more people in we're definitely not socializing with people we don't know very well and i don't know what's going on in their lives but you know my family i see now I see some close friends. Um, usually if I'm visiting with certain people, I'm seeing them outside or having, you know, a play date, you know, in this outside, whatever we're doing, scootering or their social distancing. Um, but so, I just, so you accepted your reality from when you decided to do it and you said, this is going to be a long-term thing. So I'm going to follow safety precautions, use my head, but I'm going to live my life. And that included always sending your kids to school if that was an option, correct? I mean, I didn't even think about school because right now we weren't even into summer yet. Right, right. So, so you weren't even going to think about it. You're like, you know what? Let's just think, of, let's just get through the summer in the most pleasant way possible. Yeah, I mean, I had two kids at home. So I was like, let's take a day by day. <laughs> Today's Monday. Let's see what happens. 24 7. I was just. I was not planning for September. I was planning for like, you know, March 17th if we were. Right. <laughs> I was like, what are we going to do tomorrow? Oh, it looks like we're going to wake up in the morning and, you know, maybe we will go outside and go on a nature walk by ourselves. And if we see someone, we're definitely going to run away and walk the other way. And that's basically what happened. <laughs> no, I'm not so, kidding. That's what happened. So I saw someone, I'm like, oh God, you know, we're not four, 24 feet away. We better walk a little further. So after a while, you know, I wasn't going to send my kid to camp. I wasn't going to send my kid to camp. And then I was like, wow, this is a lot of work. And I might want to consider sending my kids <laughs> so to did camp. did you end up sending your kids to some kind of I camp? did. At the very end of summer, I sent for three weeks my child to camp. It how, had eight how, kids. It had eight was kids. That? It was a small place. They took your temperature. I actually knew six out of eight of the kids they were my friend's kids so it technically was a semi-pod i was i knew that my friend well, an odd setting though the idea of a pod sort setting. of you know with an extra kid or two mixed in um but the people that random. went <laughs> with an extra random mixed in the owner the owner was a friend of my friend who was also sending their kid who lived in their neighborhood she was very cautious she cleaned you know and sanitized a yeah. lot you know she was so mm-hmm. I was comfortable in that situation sending to camp. I did it for three How did it weeks. Go? How did it go? How did it go for your family and for your children? 
when they fabulous. Were. It was fabulous. <laughs> did you had three weeks of freedom. Okay. Did you see a change? Did you feel like your kids were? Did you? Oh my God! Small, did your kids care the about mask. the mask? Put yeah. on the mask. Kids are so resilient. They put that mask on. I, they knew about COVID. I mean, we had been for months. We had been talking about it and hanging out at home. And I, I'm not scared. So my kids weren't scared. I was just like, look. Right. Let's watch the COVID cartoon. There was a little guy who was, you Wash know, hands, it started yeah. in Wuhan, China, you know, whatever, and it educated them. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, excuse me, but parents, I suggest you put it on too, because you know it was, it was a great no, way of me not sure. explaining it to them, which may have been scary. I don't know how I would come so, off. All right, so. We probably so went and they, and they were with other children and they wore their mask and they sat, you know, two or three seats away from other people. But kids are resilient. They were fine with it. They came home. They showed me their 50 art projects. It was a little art camp at the end of the day. They were happy as could be. And then, you know, then we hung out as a family at the end of the and day. And as a family, you, like, you guys felt better. You guys just felt better. I felt normal. And even though they might have been masked, you know, wearing a mask, it's like I go everywhere in a mask now and I almost don't feel uncomfortable anymore. It's yeah. so normal to me. So I can't imagine that, you know, I understand now why kids who have, you know, less things to worry about and stress about and anxieties and, you know, would be okay with it. Cause now I'm okay with it. Like I'm walking right. around with a mask. It's like, I don't even have to wear lipstick so, anymore. So we, we probably can guess what Carly's plan is, but before we confirm, let's go back to Miss Lenter. <laughs> and by the way, definitely like started texting me like, gotta know tomorrow, we gotta do the pod, are you into the pod? And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I even myself, cause I actually haven't talked about it. We, my husband and I have gone back and forth every which way. Um, you know, I'll give a quick background and, and then I'll tell, let Sasha, you know, talk about what she decided to do before we wrap up this very amazing conversation that I'm glad I finally convinced you two to come on and do. Um, but for quick background is, you know, I, education is extremely important to me. I come from an immigrant background and education was, and is your only way out, right? So it's your way to succeed. It's your way to strive. And I was the first one in my, in my family, in my immediate family to go to college. And I'm definitely the first one to graduate from law school. So education was always, my mom would sacrifice anything to educate me. I want to start by saying that because it is extremely important a formal education and so much so that I spent a year of my life working extremely hard to get my child into one of the best private schools in Manhattan um, to find out in February, which was my dream because I finally felt that, you know, all the hard work of my ancestors paying off that my kid was going to have these opportunities being in this elite private school that I never had the opportunity to do. And I was so excited to give her that, that, I found out in February, the day I found out, I swear, I'll, I'll share the video with you guys. My hands shook and I cried probably for a good hour because I just heard everyone from my great grandmother to my dad, to my grandmother who have all passed, just applauding, right? Just, just completely, you know, progressing our family in the right direction with education. Cause at the end of the day, this country, it really matters. Right. And I think that that made a really big impact when we had to decide what to do. I was devastated because I realized that she wasn't going to be able to have the education that I've worked so hard to be able to get her into that environment. And 
first I struggle with that, which by the way, is my own ego and my own as a parent goals, because she's not going to know the difference. And it took a lot for me to look at myself and realize, okay, put yourself aside because this decision is not about you. It's about your child. Once I was able to check my ego, I realized, all right, so now what am I going to do? Because the social thing is important to me. I'm an only child. So I know that we can thrive independently. I grew up with many imaginary friends. And as you all know, if you know me, I'm probably the most social person you know. So being home and being alone doesn't make you a weirdo. However, okay, we live in a really social world. And I am a very social person. And my husband and I are always out. And we always have events. And my kids are always in parties. And they have friends. And I know who their friends are. And having that world stripped away from them very quickly. And that, that tends to be a very New York you know, uh, tri-state area thing. You're always, you're always busy. You're always social. You know, your social scene is important to you. Um, I was like, wow, what's going to happen to the kids? You know, what is going to happen? I, and a little bit, not too differently, but I, I work. So while, you know, I, you know, I was also very nervous about what I was going to do with my career. If I had to be a full-time teacher to two children. Um, and again, that was me saying, oh shit, I have to put my kids first. I can't just send them to a fancy private school, or I can't send them to school, or I can't call my nanny because I didn't even have help. So all of these realities of my world came crashing down very quickly. And it was a lot. Uh, probably best thing that ever happened, I would have to say to me and my family. And I know that I say that from a very privileged position because like Sasha started saying, we can say that because we have food, shelter and love and we can provide our children every day. And I know that there's a lot of families that can't. So I'm saying this from a completely privileged standpoint that it was the best thing that ever happened to us as a family because we got to reevaluate what was important to us and how we wanted to raise our children. And I think that that is what we all fear right now is that reevaluation of what's important and what we're going to do because we all had a plan. And maybe some of us are like Carly that can be a little bit more adaptive in life. And God bless that because, you know, I'm definitely a control freak. And I, you know, you guys see, I wake up and I fucking plan every hour of every minute of my day. My kids have been on a schedule since the day this happened, just because it gives me more sanity. So we had to decide what we were going to do. And I'm not going to share what we decided because it would have me reveal what we decided as a family to do in our future. And I don't think we're ready to do that yet. So stay tuned for that. But to homeschool or to virtually school versus sending them to a social setting. I'm going to say we have decided to send our kids to school. Fears of physical or not. I have an autoimmune disorder. There's no one that's more scared of being sick. I was sick for a long time, especially as a child. It's very scary. I'm sure my mom It's very scary as a parent. I am sending my kids to school. I feel that their social emotional well-being is much more important to me and my family right now than the fear of the physical infection. And of course, I say that living in the tri-state area where our infection rate is really low and they did a great job controlling this virus. That being said, my friends, what did you decide to do? Well, I am sending my children to school. Carly is sending her kids physically to school. And have you started school? Or when do you start school? I will start school on Thursday. Thursday. And I've been doing virtual school for Tuesday, like a few by the way. Okay. Are your kids excited? Are you ready? Very. Are you guys ready? 
physically, emotionally, you got the mask, you got the sanitizer. What, what's that going to look like for you? What does the day look like? Is it a full day? You, and it is a full you, day. Um, and I have had since, since really May, um, I have had a, you know, scenario of if this, then this, if this, then this, um, outline basically everything that they have done, all the protocols they've taken, uh, to make it a safe and happy place for my children. And, um, I have faith that it's going to be a happy and safe environment. And I think I'm just as likely to, you know, go to my doorstep and, and bring in my groceries from somebody that may have touched it that had COVID um, and get sick. So sheltering my children, especially after kind of giving it a trial run with camp for yeah, three weeks. I think that was good. I mean, I think keeping my kids home is doing more harm than good. And that's my opinion. And I respect and understand what other people feel like. But for me, it's not even a question. It's more important to me that my kids are socializing and going out in the world. And I think that they'd probably... There's, there's Chasey now. We're going to go to sleep. You wait five seconds for me. Um, Before we lose Carly, I commend you for coming on okay, here and cut being cut so cut honest. Um, yeah, so I've made the executive decision to send my children to school. I think that they um, will be fine. And God bless. And it's all in God's plan. But I'm going to do everything I can to keep them safe. And the schools are doing the same. And, and that's it. If there's any other questions, maybe you can ask now because he's playing all over me. No problem. That would be the last question. Let's let Sasha wrap it up and what she decided to do. All right. You guys can continue. I'm so sorry. My little Thanks nugget. for joining us, Carly. Say no hi, Chasey. Hi. Hi, Chasey. <laughs> we love you, Chasey. Have a great, great first day, Chase. Wait, I didn't hear you. Who do you love the most? Mommy. Okay. Hi. Uh, <laughs> 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 On that note, he's going to school because he loves his mommy. <laughs> you love school? Yeah. Have the best school? first day, yeah. Chase. Are you excited to you make lots see of your friends? Picture. Yeah. Who's your number one? Mommy. Yep. You can't even trick him. It's mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> so Sasha, All right. take us All home. Right. I'm signing off and please send me this so that I can listen to Sasha. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But she doesn't know already what I'm doing. <laughs> so, Sasha, take us home. What, even right. with all the fears in the world, what have you decided to do with your children? Well, okay. Just to touch on just one thing that you said before, you you commented on what I had said that we're so privileged and everything, and right. it's so true. And you know, you and I, we had very, very different upbringings, but we can relate to the, on the fact that if this pandemic were occurring when you and I were children, we would not have had a choice. Our parents ha would have had to go to work. We would have had to have been in daycare or something long before <laughs> schools could have even opened. Like, there would have been no flipping right. choice in the matter. So right. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I definitely feel an added pressure because I am so blessed, so fortunate, so blessed it, financially right now. I'm going to a completely different situation than I was as a child that I want to make sure that I explore every option possible for my kids because they're lucky enough to have options, whereas I did not have options. So, um, you know, I, just to explain a little bit why I 
talk everything to death and <laughs> whatever, but so. I, I think that is a really important thing to know. And I don't think it's something that we think about enough, especially I know I'm guilty in my own personal social circle. It's like, you know, the fact that we have the option, exactly how you said it, the fact that it's even an option. So go ahead. Yes, my mom always said money cannot buy you happiness, but it buys you options. And that is very, very wow, true. So it's true. Very profound, Ma. Um, yeah. But so what ended up happening is I tried very hard to get families who we trust, who live in this area with children the same age as our two school-age children to do a pod. And just to give a little brief note, my husband and I have been on complete opposite ends of the spectrum with our views on COVID in general. My husband calls it the fake flu. He is not afraid of it at all. He would go to a club in the city. But he's respected every wish. But he has, he has because he respects that, you know, I'm making decisions, you know, I'm, every decision I'm trying to make is for the betterment of the children. And he wholeheartedly trusts my decisions as a mom. But I will say that although he feels that way about COVID, when it came to discussing school, he he a hundred percent wanted a pod. He was yeah. all in on the pod, even more than me. He was gung ho. Let's sit down with every family in the area. Let's get them on board. But unfortunately for us and our dreams of a pod, we could not secure enough families to make a pod work um, in the way that we felt it needed to work because, you know, like we all seem to agree on isolating our children is just not an option for me because you have to evaluate risk reward. And we live in an area where we've got it as under control as you can have right. it. And we live in, you know, areas where the schools have the ability to take Correct. the precautions necessary. And while I am so scared and while I did not send my kids to camp, they did, you know, short 45 minute outdoor art or soccer lessons. You know, we weren't comfortable sending them to camp. This is going to be a huge jump. But between the two choices of mommy attempting virtual school at home and our children being isolated and going to school, we chose going to school. So, so three out of three guys, all three at the end of the day are going to attempt to send our kids to school. Now, before we sign off, I actually want to talk about this pod thing because interestingly enough, a couple of days ago, I was uh, introduced to this gentleman, really bright young guy called Christopher Rim. He's the CEO of Command Education. Have you heard of him? I have not. So check this out, Sasha. Brilliant, brilliant idea. He basically has launched a company that is creating pods all around the city and in the Hamptons. So they're basically taking like commercial retail space, which is also brilliant because it's very, very difficult industry. So he's taking spaces and he's creating these pods, exactly what you're saying. It's not to educate the child in terms of primary education. It's to supplement whatever education they're getting virtually, right? Or even in school. But this is assuming we're all going to end up on a virtual system if school shut down or whatnot or but it's basically a pod and it's basically almost like a a study group you know like in you can law school and we had these study groups you know like mm -hmm. uh, and we, everyone gets together it's it's a pretty expensive study group i i think that they're charging about 70 grand for the pods per student well, for the, oh per student 
per person. Yeah. So it would be, it would be at 70. So again, we are talking about extreme privilege now. Now this is, you know, that's tasty. not even. David would spit in my face if I told him I wanted to spend However, <laughs> again, whether that's for you or not, because this is the judgment-free zone. And if you have the means to do that for your child. Do it. Oh my God, so do it. I see it is if, if, you know, for those of you listening in who are not, let's say, familiar with New York private schools, it's probably the hardest thing you can get into, okay? And if, if I had a child who is in middle school or high school age, and I've been investing about $50,000 a year in their education, and all of a sudden they're in, I don't know, 10th grade, and I'm supposed to try to virtually teach this kid whose education is definitely far no, Fuck that. Fuck My that. kid, I wouldn't have even been able to teach Gabriella probably past first grade in the school that she was going to go to. No joke. And I have a law school education. All right. Mm-hmm. So I understand the idea behind this. It's basically like, basically like an insurance plan for the investment that you've made for your kid all these years. So the idea that goes back to what you were saying is right. I think that at the end of the day, the best solution would be these small community type based learning pods, you know, but then again, yeah, I, mean, I had, I had gone back and forth about approaching the director of my kids preschool about not opening up. So I ended up not doing it because everyone around here was so gung ho. Like we need our kids to go back to school. You know, where we live is in such a good, you know, we're in such a good spot COVID wise, we have to send our kids to school. But I was so close to reaching out to the director of our children's preschool with the proposal to not open school, but to, for her to make money, you know, basically pimping out her teachers as pod teachers and helping the families that go to her school create pods and find, right. there's tons of space in the suburbs, like, you know, the coffee shop that closed down. Well, isn't that what moms did for camps, right? I thought that they created like these little pod camps, right? Some, oh yeah, people did do that, but I'm saying, I meant for school next year, for a way for her to secure the right. funds for next year right. and to help families create pods, find vacant space. She could even, I would even, you know, when I was even thinking about doing a pod, I would have even felt comfortable using the classrooms in the preschool's building, so long as the kids sharing the room with my kids were of the families that were in our pod. You know what I'm saying? So. I had planned to approach her to make it, you know, turn it into a business idea for her without opening school, but it became very clear that everybody around here was going to try to open school. You know, even if it doesn't last, they were going to try to open. But so, yeah, so, I mean, I still, I still wish that we could be doing a pod because to me it covers every base, social, emotional, academic, structural, all of it. Um, but again, we, you know, we only had one, other family that was willing to 100% commit and that's not enough to you know secure a teacher and a space so you know the social emotional the risk reward analysis you know the 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 the, necess the necessities for our children to have the social and emotional and structural aspects of school outweighed you know the physical fears of the virus so and i think that you know however I you know, I, I just feel that, that the way that we all approach this is, again, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was, I don't think we're alone, right? It goes to show you that we've all actually gone through 
a lot of mixed emotions in different ways throughout the last few months. And, and even I'll end up being in the same position. At the end of the day, though, what it sounds like to me is everyone just wants what's best for their children, right? We're parents. Sure. That's our jobs. First and foremost. And first and foremost. And the kids will all be okay, right? That's what at, they're all going to be okay. Um, the real question is, is we're going to, are we going to be okay? And it it seems like we will be, it seems that we have been able to, you know, get through this together. I'm so grateful for, you know, the support and guidance of having a community like with you guys, because I do think it's really important. If anyone is, is looking for a community, you know, feel free to jump in our uh, group chat. We can create a new one. You know, we'll have 2020. If you need a sounding board or, but I just think it's important for us to have these conversations and to feel okay having them and from a non-judgmental place because, because I think that there's a lot of pressure on families in general. And these are things that generations have never had to make for a really long time. Of course, and so much pressure on moms, especially because we're already expected to be everything but now the meaning of everything has changed so it's definitely very challenging but um yeah i mean you need to have a support system of other moms correct because or or any if you're a primary caregiver yes of course um, yes whoever it is right exactly of course of course of course but yes whoever it is making all these decisions and having everything fall on their shoulders you need to have a network of other people who are going through similar experiences because it's just too hard these days not to. Thank you so much, Sasha, for your candidness and for your time. I know that it's really scary to talk about these things. I want everyone uh, to stay safe. I hope that this helps you connect in some way to know that you're not alone, to know that you know we're all in this together, that everyone is having these conversations internally and externally and that it's okay to have them and it's okay to not judge your friends or judge them but then don't judge them after for what they decide right know that everyone's going through something be more compassionate with one another a little bit more patient i think that's definitely something that this has had to teach us so that being said stay tuned for uh, the next episode And thanks for joining us on Not Influenced.